This is Graphic Interventions. Hello, I'm Harriet Atkinson, a historian of art and design and the host of this podcast series, Graphic Interventions. In each episode, I interview one maker about one thing they've made, a poster, a banner, a zine, to discover why that thing came about, what it meant then and how it resonates now. My focus in this series of interviews is on how political conversations are initiated, enlivened and made visible through the graphic form. In this episode, I meet Matilda of Conversations from Calais. Matilda starts by introducing herself. Yeah, so my name is Matilda and I'm a designer. I've studied graphic design and illustration. I'm based in London and I am half French, half Italian. And about three years ago now, I decided that I wanted to go to Calais just before my master's to see what the situation was like. I felt really responsible as a French person to understand what was happening in France. I found it really difficult to really understand the situation there from here because the media was being very confusing about it. So I decided to go down and volunteer for about 10 days. And then as I came back, I couldn't really stop thinking about it. And I continued to go back when I had time off. I think as a designer for a long time, I was trying to find a way to communicate to my direct surrounding what I was experiencing there because it felt so different to what mainstream media and charities were saying here. And after some some thought and some some time kind of thinking about how to communicate in the best way what I was experiencing, I decided to start the project Conversations from Kelly. And the idea is to simply share... So it started as conversations that I'd had with migrants or displaced people that I had met there and then write them down. And from my perspective, because this is how I, I experienced it, really plain, just text, just really sticking to the words and not kind of using design to embellish or create extra noise around it, because I thought that's what's already happening so much. And then from that, I thought, okay, the best thing, the most important thing I need to do is get these stories out. I don't have time. I don't have any kind of resources to get them out. So the easiest thing I can do is paste them up on the streets with glue and at least people will be able to see them. And that hasn't really, I guess the core of the project hasn't changed. It's it's grown in terms of now uh, conversations are submitted by volunteers who have been or are currently in Calais. The posters have been translated and put up in cities all over the world, but the core is still the same. And the concept has always been to rehumanize the conversation and to really move away from the stereotypes and the usual narratives that we have around migrants. So really classic points of views of either they're the devil and they're coming to take everything from us, which is used a lot in the media and by some politicians. The other kind of narrative being they're people that we need to save, which is a lot of the rhetoric that's happening through charities because they need to raise funds to be able to do that. So some charities do that more than others, but it's kind of problematic to a certain extent. And the third one is kind of seeing these people as heroes and really looking at, we can only let people into our country if they've got something extraordinary to bring, which felt really problematic because I was never asked that when I when I moved to the UK. So that's kind of a bit about the project and how it started. And now I'm. it's been about a year and a half of just growing it and, and continuing the process. Could I ask you to introduce the piece that you're going to be focusing on 
Yeah, for sure. So I sent you an image of a poster that I pasted up quite a while now. So it's one of the conversations that I've shared. And so a bit more about it. It's an A3 black and white poster printed on just standard paper that's been pasted up on a white wall with homemade glue out of flour and water. And it was pasted up in London. I don't know if it's still up or not because some posters get taken down really easily, some don't. So it may still be in its original location in London. It may not be. And yeah, so that's kind of the the physical aspect of it. In terms of of what it is and and why I chose it, so it's one of the conversations that for me, I think, represents the project in the, I guess for me, in in one of the most important ways. So I'll just just read it out and then explain a bit more about it. Um, So the poster reads, you asked me if the world knew this was happening, if the world knew you were here, if the world knew your tent was taken from you almost every night, If the world knew the police were spraying tear gas on you almost every day, if the world knew this was living hell, and all I could do was whisper, yes, yes, the world knows. For me, this brings uh, a reason to why I started the project. So it's because I've felt and I still feel like, you know, Calais is something that was in the media a lot and in a lot of conversations in 2016 when the so-called jungle refugee camp was dismantled and then it completely disappeared. But there is very, I think there's very few people that realize that the situation is, is still as bad, if not worse, is more violent, is more unjust, is more racist. And one of the reasons why I started this project was to really say, there's not much I can do. I'm not a politician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lot of these things that I guess can help someone come here and reach safety and be able to, to, to build a, a, a life. But what I can do is just use my voice to commemorate and remember what what is happening and and to create a sort of archive of that material. And I guess the second thing it represents, which for me is, I think, something that I've spoken about with a lot of volunteers that they also really connect with is this, this feeling of hopelessness as a volunteer, right? At the end of the day, the only thing you're really able to do is to go out in Calais and help make someone's reality slightly more bearable. But that's pretty much it. Yes, you're able to, you know, give food and give clothing and sometimes give a tent. But there's so much hopelessness with not being able to do more. And that's, yeah, something that I I think about all the time, but that also really, I guess, got me to start the project to be able to do something as a designer also because I spend a lot of time trying to think about how as a designer I could I could move my practice into a way of, of for it to be doing, I guess, some sort of social good. And it took me a long time to find a way to do that with such like tricky and sensitive and difficult material to work with. So yeah, I guess that's a, a bit more about that poster and why I chose it and why it's a really important one to remember. Tell me a little bit about how you selected that particular conversation. I don't know. I saw your email. And for me, this is the conversation that just represents the project in the easiest way, because it just shows that all I'm trying to do is just document what is happening and for people to to read it and to remember it. Yeah, just to acknowledge that it's happening. And then it's up to people to decide what they want to do with that information. So I always say I'm not a charity. I'm not, I'm not asking for money. I'm not a politician. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you what to do. All I'm saying is listen and then make up your mind. So that's why for me, it's just one of the conversations that encapsulates that. 
It's extremely poetic. Do you know who it was who said that? No, so I actually don't. It's a conversation that was submitted by someone. So it's not one that I've had, but all the conversations are submitted by volunteers anonymously through our website. I've had so many different variations of this one. I mean, and every volunteer has. For me, it's really like just the way it's written is so specific, but it's so close to so many experiences that people are having there. It's an interesting point you bring up because for me, it's also so important not to visualize this project and to really get the reader or the listener to visualize for themselves how this conversation could look like, because I think we have such specific images of what refugees look like and especially you know in Calais and coming from the UK on dinghies and kind of being arrested by border control and all that we have such strong images in my head but I think moving away from that and going to a really simple black and white design really I hope forces reader to create a face for for themselves of what this person or this conversation could look like. This is a recent piece, as you say, but what is your reflection on what it does now that it's out in the world? Mm. What's its afterlife? And I guess it's so interesting the way in which that afterlife is, is partly in the digital space and that can, can carry on reverberating for so long. Yeah, so I think... The first thing that I that I always think about is once I've printed a posters and once I've pasted it on the street, it's really no longer mine. So I see a value in that because for me, these conversations need to become part of our cities and our buildings. And, and they that's a very physical way of representing that. Once that's done, my control over the poster really finishes there, which is why it's afterlife can be on a wall really long or also really short. A way for me to kind of extend that life is to share it on social media. And I guess that allows me to reach a wider audience, more numbers. And it it allows to create an archive, a visual archive, I guess, of all of these conversations. So what it does as an object now, I think for me is act as part of a collection of conversations that create a portrait of what Calais is like to a certain extent. One of the limitations of putting it out on on the street is that, you know, this conversation, for example, if you read just that and nothing else, yes, it's moving away from how Calais is represented in mainstream media, but at the end of the day, it is telling us that it's horrific, that, you know, there's tear gas and there's a lot of injustice happening there. And I think people do have that idea. But when you read some of the other's conversations, you see that some of them are simply about missing their mom or about not enjoying the food that a volunteer has cooked or really kind of relatable and and sometimes boring and just random things that, random conversations that anyone has. So I hope that by posting it on social media and on our website and and creating a, a kind of collection, it shows that, there's so many conversations happening there and we need to look at them as a whole in order to create an image of of Kelly and of any refugee camp, I guess, that is more just more inclusive in, in, in terms of what's what's happening there. Because there isn't only sorrow. I mean, I always say like I've never seen as much humanity and 
kindness I've, as I've seen there, as I've experienced, but I've also never seen as much injustice. So it comes hand in hand. I hope that they, they continue to be read. I hope that they continue to be, to be engaged with in more spaces by more people. And, and I hope that they, for me, it's very important to see it as kind of like one step to get started to understand more about the conversation. And then I find it really important to move away from the volunteer experience and to actually listen to people that have her firsthand experience of what it's like to be displaced. So I really see that as like a first step to then start those conversations, whether that is with friends or families or in schools or hopefully in as many places as possible. I think the last thing that I would say is I think one of the my favorite parts, I guess, of this project or one of the strengths I think it is, is that it gives you a little something that you can physically do by printing the posters and pasting them in your city to start some sort of action. And for me, action is so important. And I think it is for a lot of people in order to not feel hopeless. I know that it's a situation that feels hopeless and feels completely overwhelming for so many. But I think starting to engage with this project and just saying, do you know what? I'm going to print some posters and put them up in my area or speak about it to people in my school is just a way to get started. We need more of that and we need just to find ways to to engage with this topic, no matter how big or overwhelming it is. And, and that applies to so, so many causes that, you know, are completely different to this one. And I think that's where design really can come in to facilitate that communication and to create those resources that allow people to do that in a way that feels more manageable and more just as a way to, to tackle the issues in, in a very small way. I think I find that really, really important. So I hope it, it helps other people as well. That was Matilda from Conversations from Calais. If you'd like to find out more about the project, go to conversationsfromcalais.com. In the next episode, I'll be interviewing Dominic McGill and Michael Collins from Paris 68 Redux about their recent poster series for Extinction Rebellion. In the meantime, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Graphic Interventions, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening. Graphic Interventions is made by Harriet Atkinson and funded by the Arts and Humanities Research Council. (laughs) 